However, standing by right now is the one and the only, Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davy was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davy? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You go ahead and chop me. Just give me a big chop. I'll sell. I'll give you my whole chest and everything. And then I'll look at you like this, and then I'll punch you right in the mouth as hard as I can. <laughs> Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Once again, I hope you've had a great week, and this episode finds you safe and healthy. I know you have literally millions of choices, uh, for ways to entertain you with the podcasts, uh, uh, just millions, God, just for wrestling. <laughs> and I am so grateful that you have taken the time to tune in to PTSM. Uh, we're coming off an episode with one of the rising broadcasting stars in the world of professional wrestling, who also happens to be a huge YouTube influencer and vlogger uh, with over 250,000 subscribers. And folks, really, he is just getting started. Uh, as far as uh, his impact in the world of professional wrestling, uh, Chris Van Vliet's interviews with the biggest names in wrestling often get hundreds of thousands of views. And I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Chris. I hope that uh, you were able to listen to it uh, and, uh, you know, learned about his approach to his interviews and, more importantly, uh, life. Uh, he is a very inspirational person and it was an inspirational episode just a very very positive person uh chris van vliet check out his youtube channel it's easy to find all you have to do is uh, search chris van vliet on youtube that is uh van that's v-a-n vliet v-l-i-e-t that's two words chris van vliet on youtube and uh he's he's talked to just about everybody all the biggest stars in the world of professional wrestling and if you haven't listened to that episode of PTSM, please check it out. Uh, this week, we really switch gears, and we're going to uh, talk to someone who helped pave the way for equality for all women in professional wrestling, Patricia Summerland. A uh, name may ring a bell, but uh, if I tell you uh, Sunny, the California girl, maybe that uh, will uh, ring more bells. Uh, she is an original member of the roster of characters from... Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Remember that? If you were a fan of wrestling in the 80s, you must remember Glow. Uh, the all-women wrestling show aired from 1986 to 1990. Uh, it aired on stations across the country and became really popular. It really was. Uh, uh, part of uh, many people's like Saturday morning viewing. A lot of these stations aired it then. And it definitely had an impact on how women moved forward in the world of professional wrestling. We'll get to that in just a minute. Last week, I mentioned I had a very special announcement for this week. Uh, I have been reluctant to make this move because our Patreon members have been so loyal from the beginning, but I really feel it's necessary. Uh, when we cut back on the tiers on our Patreon memberships to just having the early and ad-free tier, 
Um, you know, I thought we would actually have more people sign up, but that has uh, not been the case, unfortunately. And uh, Evan and Casey, you know, the guys that uh, work very hard on the show to put it together and get out these uh, episodes, uh, not just edited, but also early, uh, put in a lot of work to make that uh, happen uh, for Patreon uh, members. And, uh, you know, I just thought that with the, the loss of so many members, I just uh, feel it's, it's just not worth the effort for them to keep doing it. So with that, as of June 1st, uh, we are ending our Patreon membership for Primetime with Sean Mooney. And I wanted to let all of our remaining members uh, know and to be sure and cancel your membership now so that you're not charged for another month, okay? So please cancel immediately. If you have any issues, let me know. And you can do that by emailing me at primetimemooney at gmail.com. All righty. Our guest, Patricia Summerlin, known on the show as Sunny the California Girl, uh, wasn't there from the beginning, but she was a member of the cast of shows that uh, ran during that uh, period of time I mentioned, that four years uh, into five, I guess you should say. And, uh, you know, she has a great story to tell. So what do you say? We get to it. My conversation with Patricia Summerland. Ding, ding, ding. You know, folks, uh, we see today just how popular women's professional wrestling has become um, very much... Uh, an equal footing with men, you see it. And uh, that has certainly, though, has not always been the case. Uh, during my days with the WWF, women were still pretty much a sideshow, with a few exceptions, like Miss Elizabeth, and, of course, everybody remembers Sensational Sherry. Uh, she was a big part of it. But, uh, like I said, uh, not many. But my guest this episode is uh, one of the women who helped change all that. She's an original member of GLOW. You remember them, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. She was on that roster. Welcome, Patricia Summerland, also known as Sunny the California Girl back then. Patricia, thanks for coming on Primetime. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great, Sean, and thanks for having me on your show. I'm uh, sorry you, that uh, the video's not working. <laughs> uh, no worries. I mean, because for everyone would love to see you, and, and folks, trust me, she still looks fantastic. Um, oh, it, it, oh, thank you. Well, it's true. It really um, – and uh, – you know, uh, back in my day when I worked for the World Wrestling Federation, women who uh, worked in wrestling uh, weren't exactly um, very attractive. They uh, and I and I, I say that with a sense that there just wasn't a lot of femininity to it. And they had people uh, like the fabulous Moolah and these other women that they would bring in, as I said, like a, a sideshow. They were part of professional wrestling. They worked all the time, but they would go from territories and stay for a very short period of time. And uh, there were exceptions, but uh, Patricia, what do you remember from those days uh, about women in professional wrestling? Well, you're, you're right about that with the women not getting their fair share amongst the men, the mm -hmm. men's world, let's say, um, back in the 80s. And we were blessed to pave the way, as I will say, even though there was the fabulous moolah, the great Mae Young who trained these men, let's mm -hmm. not forget. And I say that right. because I find it interesting, Sean, that a lot of men in the world of wrestling have not realized that yet. They're like, no, Mae Young did not. I go, most certainly did she. She she trained uh, Rick Drayson. She worked with uh, Freddie Blassie, a lot of these greats back then. She was the woman. She was the pillar um, of, of this great feminine movement, if you will. Um, and I think us being in GLOW just changed the mode 
110% for what you see today because we had it at the, at the toughest, of course, in the 80s. So we came in as characters larger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's great about it. We had all different sizes, shapes, ethnicities, you know, mm-hmm. um, that came out there and showed their strengths, their vulnerabilities. And everybody could identify with us. Everybody loved their characters. You know, it wasn't um, just one. Oh, I like, you know, this person and that's it. It was pretty tough for a lot of our fans to to pick one because we were all so different and we all represented different things. And that was the coolest thing about glow. And I think, like I said, we had it hard reason being is the money. And we're going to talk about the money factor, which is, Oh, Oh yeah. Let me tell you, we busted our butt five days a week. We did get some weekends off. Now every other weekend was for taping. So we were there, but we would get uh, one weekend on, one weekend off. But during that week, we were there training in the ring from morning till night. And we made, now I made 700. Some of the girls, I understand, only made 300 a week. Mm, That's wow. 700 a week. Now, compared to what the women make today, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? Yeah. So, yeah, I like, to, I like to think we took all the bumps and the bruises for these women today. And um, I'm thankful that we have a show out on Netflix that paves the way about us. Um, it's a fictional story, uh, which is the glow on Netflix currently mm-hmm. that you can check us out on there and get a little bit of our story. The only thing that's similar is the closeness of the girls, um, the characters you won't see in Netflix. They've cleverly meshed three or four of us into one character on Netflix. Right. So. Yeah, but we're blessed to have that. I mean, what show has that? I haven't seen WWE do that. Nobody's came to them and said, hey, let's make a movie on you. Let's do that. We're the only ones. So that says something about us. Now, today, um, we were superheroes. And the people in wrestling, all of us are superheroes because there's so many children that just – thrive and identify with us and it keeps them going. There's children that are fighting battles every day and they say, we look up to you, Sonny. We love you. Um, you are the light. You know, we love to surf. Can you teach us surfing or whatever the case is? And it feels so good, you know? Um, yeah. And you guys really did. You guys really did pave the way. And I just want to give a, a little background on, on how the show uh, started because I don't think a lot of people realize it. Now, Around 85 is when the WWF really took off. That's when Vince uh, McMahon had, you know, really supercharged what uh, we have seen happen to this day. Right. And, uh, but there wasn't, I think women realized right then that they were not going to be a big part of this. They would be brought on the shows, but not in a big way. And so, um, a guy by the name of David McLean probably saw this opportunity here. And said, you know, saw the promise in women, and also, you know, people were not people were not used to seeing a very attractive women being able to go out there and, you know, really just bump as well as the men did. So right. um, I know you weren't part of the first seasons, but you were part of that that roster. I think you you came in in the third season. Um, what I mean, first of all, let's just talk about how that opportunity happened. This is out right, in California, right? Right, and, and well, then well, also. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, and I was, and I just, you know, how the opportunity came about, and I don't know if you had done some training before, but give give us the background that kind of led up to that. Sure, sure. Um, what I would like to say about Glow and David McLean was thank you, you know, for yeah. for the originality and starting of Glow. But I'll give you a little bit more information about how Glow got started officially, right. because there was a money man that backed Gorgeous Slaves of Wrestling. It wasn't David McLean. Mm-hmm. So that would be Mashulam Rickless, who is now passed on. He owned us Glow Girls. He owned the Riviera Hotel, and he owned Fabergé Brut, colognes, and everything else around Fabergé Brut, which was the hair cosmetics. You know, he was a, a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, and uh, it's sad that he's passed on, but he is the, the one behind us mm-hmm. and the indie. By the way, which we'll talk about how Glow ended. Um, but David McLean started it. However, he was let go. I was the third season and fourth season girl. What happened was there was some issues from the first and second. And all those girls left, except for maybe three, I believe, or four girls, stayed on for the third and fourth season. So there was a new crew of girls, and I being one. And they changed the characters. Because they didn't want the same from the first and second. So we were new characters, even though similar, like I took the California Dolls place, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how it originated. And, of course, we did not film at the River Hotel like the first and second season girls. We filmed in a warehouse, in a vacant warehouse that used to be a Harley dealership, <laughs> believe it or not. That's where mm-hmm. our audience was. And we had an audience of 350 to 400 Every weekend, and it was televised, so there was no charge. So they were really happy to be there. And, of course, they were fans of GLOW. So there was no coaxing. The first and second season, I understand they had to go out and get people to come in because they weren't aware of GLOW. They didn't understand it. So the first and second season girls had a whole different scenario. We came in with a blessing where we got a tour. We toured all, let's see, we started in Atlanta, Georgia, and toured all the Coliseums. We packed the houses mm. like WWE. So we went on a tour bus, 36 of us girls, and we got to go around and tour where the first and second did not. So, um, you know, it came into a full circle there by the time I joined. However, now David McLean and Matt Simber, who is the director of Glow, Gorgeous Lays of Wrestling. The mastermind, I'd like to say, behind it all, because he is the creator. Um, he got rid of Dave McLean. There was issues there. He said, you're out. Yeah. He was right. gone. That's it. Bye-bye. No more. Mm-hmm. So Matt Samber was the one, along with Steve Blance, who was the writer, and then uh, Johnny Caffarella, who was the announcer. He took over uh, David McLean's place. So he was like the new David McLean. Yeah. For our seasons, um, Matt Simber was a genius and the character, how I became, um, well, introduced to glow. Let's say, like I said, I was raised in the wrestling business. My father and my brother um, were very close with a lot of the wrestlers, uh, the destroyer, Freddie Blassie, Mr. Oh. Moto, all those guys at the Olympic auditorium. They used to work with him. My dad was security and um, it was later a cop, but he, uh, became friends with all of them and then my brother as well. They would chauffeur them back and forth to hotels and whatnot. Before you know it, they're at my mom's house eating dinner. And I was like five years old. 
So watching them at the Olympic Auditorium was amazing. Of course, I was scared. I was terrified. <laughs> he came out of his cage with that cane, and all I seen was blood thereafter. Oh. Now, it was traumatizing to me to the end. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, my mother, of course, loved the roller derby. The Thunderbirds. Right. So we would yeah. go and watch Thunderbirds. Friday, Saturday was wrestling. So that was my life. Um, so I wore the Destroyers mask when I was in diapers. Didn't know why or how, but I understood it as I got older because he was friends with Dick Byer. And I had the original Destroyers mask, which was pretty cool. I still have those pictures. Those pictures are on my my website and stuff. And full circle, obviously, I got to meet Dick Byer. And it was such an honor. And he signed my 60s Polaroid. From those old Polaroid cameras, he signed his autograph. And you talk about, oh, my gosh, if anybody understands this business, you will understand how my heart just <laughs> melted. It was just surreal mm. for that to happen. And, um, you know, that's basically how that occurred. And then one day I was 21 sitting there with my father at their house he called me out he was watching this show on television he called me out of my room and he said sit down watch this and he goes this is women wrestling i go what mm. so i sat with him and i watched it and it turned yeah. out to be glow and my dad actually really enjoyed it yeah because my dad was macho and loved the old school wrestling only men that was my dad men yeah. men men yeah he didn't really he liked the roller derby but my mom enjoyed it more of course i loved it I thought I was going to be a roller derby girl, but it turns mm -hmm. out obviously I wasn't. So, um, but we were watching it and he's like, isn't this tremendous? I go, dad, I don't know if I could do this. I go, these are beating each other up. I go, but yeah. this is cool. I go, look, they're all different sizes and shapes. And then this was the first and second season. And I thought it was so cool. And he goes, why don't you send in your headshot? Because by this time I was an actress model being raised in Hollywood, California, La Crescenta, uh, not too far from Hollywood. So my life was all about that. And my brother, Tom Riley, which I will mention, um, was a props for Dukes of Hazard, all these movies, all these shows, Love Boat that you would watch. Mm -hmm. So I got introduced to the, the movie business, you know, real quick. And then my father, of course, was um, Trisha Toyota, these newscasters. My dad would would bodyguard before mm -hmm. he became a cop. So he was, you know, detective, this and that. They kind of do everything. And, and back then he was he was that man. So it's kind of cool. But he said, send in your headshot. See what, mm -hmm. what you do. Because at the end of the show, it was stating they were looking for new girls. And I'm like, okay, all right. I, I think I could do, sure, why not? You know, up until then, I was, a, I was an athlete. So um, as far as, I would say as far as wrestling, the connection, there was no connection because I was awkward in gymnastics because I'm 5'10". So I wasn't big on handstands, wasn't big on all that stuff, but I could run. So I have many awards for running. I competed against the boys and then the men through high school. So that was my thing was a track runner. Um, so I did. I sent in my headshot and I went to an audition in North Hollywood, California. And that was probably about an hour away from where I resided. And I uh, showed up, walked in, seeing Matt Simber and Steve Blantz there at the table. And there was probably 360 or 70 girls there. Wow. I about died. I'm like, mm. there's no way. 
I was like, I'm not going to get this. There's, this is crazy. But I hung in there. I brought him my headshot. He called me up and they said, how would you feel about auditioning furthermore in Las Vegas? And I said, Las Vegas? Yes. Oh, great. Let's do it. Next thing you know, I'm in Las Vegas and there was probably, oh, how many girls? I think it was like 180. And we went through this rigorous combat training and um, military training, like you do uh, men's push-ups, not sissy push-ups, but the real military stuff. We had to run tires. We had to put our arms over our ears and hold them up until Matt Simber told us to drop them around the uh, the form there where we, you know, went through the combat training. There was a ring set up after we um, appeared there. I think it was three days. And then on the ring, we did hyperextensions. So a girl would sit on my legs and I'd have to do hyperextensions on the side of the ring. Um, and once we went through the combat training and we passed, you didn't get booted. There was probably, long story short, from those women, I'd say 180 down to 36 girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. The rest couldn't hang. The ones yeah. that couldn't hang, they were bye-bye. And Matt would see, well, Matt, would, I wouldn't say he wasn't rude or anything. Not like the Netflix at all, but he would tell you, nope, got to go. You're not cut for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he was pretty blunt in that way. Or he'd say, you got to lose weight or you're, you know, your butt's too big. I'll say it nicely. Yeah. Um, things <laughs> like that. Uh, because he wanted to toughen us up. Yeah. He wanted to mold us as tough as we could for the wrestling world because he didn't want us to get injured, yeah. you know. Of that we did 36, have good yeah, but of that 36, how many actually had any wrestling experience? I mean, were most of them none or what was the? Yeah, there wasn't. I, I believe really? we all came from, yeah, different backgrounds. Um, <laughs> Hollywood was a phlebotomist <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I was a swimmer, a model. Uh-huh. Making pretty good money. Yeah, I, I you were a very successful for, model at that time. Yeah. Why Why take a chance on this? Because <laughs> I think you're, you're traveling the world, and uh, yes. I think at some point you were in Sports Illustrated. I mean, why Why go after this? Well, because my father was such a fan of the wrestling world, uh-huh. and he said that it kind of, you know, I was daddy's girl, uh-huh. so I wanted to make him proud. And I felt like he really wanted me to do this. Um, number one, for confidence. Um, modeling was good. They put me through modeling school because I used to slouch because I was taller than everyone in school. I used to get teased. Um, they would call me daddy, long legs, grasshopper, things like that. Um, yeah. It was kind of tough, you know, um, to be taller than, than anyone else in my class and stuff. So they put me through modeling school to boost my morale, and that worked, and I succeeded. I graduated with braces on my teeth at 13 <laughs> from Barbizon Modeling School, and we all know and remember Barbizon. Sure. Um, in Pasadena. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think – and I did some commercials, and I did some movies. I did a spinoff from the $6 million man called the 60, fit, 60 Cent – Dollar man, and it was uh, <laughs> elementary school. Yeah, it was funny, and, and there was robots chasing me. I, I remember that. I was, I think, five then. So, um, you know, I was blessed to get into Glow, but it wasn't over from the training, mind you. <laughs> That's that. That wasn't it. 
That was the tough part. But the tougher part was Matt telling you and calling you in to to, uh, see what you're going to be, what your character is. Mm -hmm. And we're all like, oh, God, I wonder what what my character is going to be. And the next girl, wonder what her character is going to be. Some girls had to do drastic changes. Um, Beastie the Road Warrior, she had to shave all her beautiful long hair into a mohawk. Mm. And she was a a larger girl, so Road Warrior fit. Some of the girls had to drop weight. Some of the girls had to add weight. I had to add weight, so I had to go in and pump weights. Matt was worried about me Mm -hmm. uh, breaking a bone. So I had to go in and pump iron all the time. But he gave me the character Sunny, the California girl, molded from his ex-wife, who was Jane Mansfield. When oh, she wow. passed away, they were married. Wow. Still. Mickey okay. Hargitay was her first husband. And right, right. The bodybuilder. Stepdaughter. And then his son, which maybe a lot of people don't know, was our referee and also Jungle Boy, Tony Simber, which is huh. Jane Mansfield and Matt's son. Hmm. And he was in Glow. So, yeah, he goes, you remind me of my ex-wife. And I'm like, who's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had no idea. So that's where I got my character as far as the dingy blonde and then going into the ring and singing a knock-knock joke. Yeah. Which I was that your idea? Sing. Was the, was the knock-knock stuff, was that your idea? Or did they, they? No, that was them. It was all them. We had no choice uh-huh. in who we were. We had no choice in what, what our character was. Uh-huh. Um or anything like that. Our costumes were custom made by Nanuchka's mother, Lori Palmer. She did a great job. Um, however, mine was difficult to land on because I had a rhinestone sun on my right cheek. So every time I'd land on my butt, I'd feel those rhinestones. I'm like, that's really great. Yeah, great. So, but um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So Jane Mansfield kind of stuck with me. I read her books and the big blonde hair, that all came, you know, into the making of Sonny and then the silly knock-knock jokes because he asked me what my hobbies were. I said, well, I love going to the beach. I love playing volleyball. Hence, I was blonde and tan by the sun. I'm originally brunette. You know, mm-hmm. when we're kids, we're all that sandy brown, you know, and you turn blonde type thing. So that's that's how I showed up there for the audition. So I was mm-hmm. tan and the surfer girl. So um, and born and raised. In California. So I'm probably one of the truest to my character because I believe everyone else was born in, you know, everywhere else. There is no nobody else uh, like Roxy. Her character was from New York, but she's originally from Washington. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm the only one who's the true blue uh, born in Southern California and was the true character except for the blonde hair and the tan. You know, yeah, you know, but the not. Singing was was funny. I'm like, you want me to sing knock-knock jokes? (laughs) How am I going to do that? Okay. You know, so obviously I did. And that would piss off my opponent. They would come charging at me and boom, the match is on. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was, it really was heavily scripted. You talked about uh, how they pretty much, they controlled everything. And as far as your character went, but I noticed that, I mean, even the play-by-play was scripted. So it really was like doing a television program. So what was that, you know, like when you handed a big, thick script when it was, you know, your part and you had to nail every line or how did it work? Because, Actually, no. And none uh-huh. of it was. Here's the, None of our, our matches were scripted. The only thing we were given is the outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, Everything that's how in it between, works, yeah. 
Yeah, we created. We created mm-hmm. our own matches. Unfortunately, okay. I lost a lot. The baby faces <laughs> below didn't carry, you know, the weight, the crown. It was uh-huh. the uh, heel. And, and then it was bad and good. That's what they called. They didn't say baby face or heel with us. Right. So, yeah. But, no, we created our own matches, and it took a week before taping. And we'd run through with the director before we actually did live TV, of course. And if he said yes, you know, maybe throw in an extra monkey toss or an extra body slam, we would. Mm-hmm. But that was us. Yeah, no script. Thank God. We how wrote about, all, how about all the promo stuff, though? How did that work? Because the they had you guys doing was, skits and stuff like that. Yeah, the commercials, the skits. That yeah. was Matt Simber and Steve Blantz. Mm-hmm. That we had to follow. Did you have fun with that? It, it was like so, stuff you so did. It looked like you had a blast. Yeah, absolutely. You know what was really cool was our 1-900 numbers. We'd get mm-hmm. so many calls from all around the world wanting to talk to the favorite character. Mm-hmm. So we would do that also. Um, we would pre-record a lot of the messages, but there would be one day where we go on live and we get to talk to all these fans and stuff because we never got our fan mail. Matt kind of, I don't know what happened there, but there was bags and bags at the end of Glow when it ended sitting there with fan mail. Never got to read our fan mail. Yeah. That was kind of heartbreaking. The whole thing was heartbreaking towards the end. We were all bummed. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, how it wrapped up, but I wanted to uh, really talk about the impact of, of what glow did at that time too. And and it went beyond wrestling. I think it just, uh, it, it was, it was great for, for women uh, in every part of the entertainment industry because it showed them in this very different light that they could be these powerful people. And uh, you mentioned, you know, it was just all different walks of life. You saw all these different ethnic backgrounds and shapes and sizes and uh, uh, that you could be beautiful and be able to, and also be tough. So uh, give me your take on that, of the, of the impact that it had uh, as a big picture to what was happening in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. Uh, and we found that out years later in 2014 when we did an afterglow fan party hot seat created by Tracy Meltzer, which is Roxy Astor. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a whole seating in, in Hollywood, California of fans that came in and we would invite them up and ask them questions. We saved so many lives. We heard mm-hmm. that some mm-hmm. that were on the fence about being gay or coming out to being gay, whatever the case is, um, transgenderism changed so many lives. One kid said I was going to kill myself. Mm. Yeah. I mean, deep stuff like that, Sean. It was just, whoa. And we actually did not know all this. We didn't know. It changed so many lives. The empowerment of us women being different characters, shapes, sizes, colors, bringing that to the TV screen with the quirkiness. Because Glow was, I like to say, was sports meets laughing meets hee-haw. Mm-hmm. Pretty much yeah. sums it up back then. And uh, it was it was rough. We took the bumps for real. We We didn't have a lot of training. We went in there and just did it. And we had um, Nanushka trained us and Debbie Debutante was our trainers. Mm-hmm. So we just had a certain amount of time to take on these moves. I had, here's something for you. Nobody remembers this. I doubt. I actually, Sonny never had a tag team. I would join Cher as like Sonny and Cher, mm-hmm. Cyan, Cheyenne, 
Cheyenne Cher. Yeah. She was one of the cheerleaders. Um, or I'd come out with the uh, super comic book heroes or something. But Sunny was always solo. Why? Because my tag team in the beginning was injured. Mm-hmm. She was going to be a beauty queen from Tennessee. And her name was Cindy. And in the training, she was taken over by Nanushka in a monkey toss. And she froze up and her shoulder bone popped out. Mm. Fro- yeah. Yeah, that's one thing you can't do. When she hit the mat, the way she hit it, it was just, we all were like, oh, my God. I think there was three of those girls watching it happen. It was so sad. So her career ended because there was real injury in GLOW, let me tell yeah. you. In fact, there was a live one, if you remember, with Susie Spirit with her elbow right on national TV. So, you know, I was injured. I was hospitalized four times. So the injuries are real. I hate when people say wrestling's fake. Yeah. It is only fake as you want to believe it's fake. But let me tell you, those moves in the ring and and hitting the mat alone, I'd like to see half these people in this world go down on that mat and say that it's fake because that hurts alone, not to mention the moves that you're put in and the timing because when you've got a camera on you 24-7, the the, uh, television camera, and you're live for TV, Number one, you can't make a mistake, and if you do, you got to keep on going. You can't say, "Oh, stop," unless there's a you know a deadly injury, which has you know near happened on tour with myself. I had a, I was in a pile driver and landed wrong, and they thought I broke my neck. I blacked out in the ring, and they took me off in a stretcher to the hospital. So there's you know those type of mishaps, and it is every bit real. It's all about timing. It's about isometrics because that's how you're selling. You're you're. You're using those isometrics. You're showing the people, wow, look at that strength. You know, it is, it, it, it's acting. Okay. But those moves aren't, you've yeah. got to have, you've got to know what you're doing. We were training at um, a trampoline. Uh, I forgot the gymnasium place we went to, but oh my God, I could, I had to do it over and over. Matt put me up against the wall to make me do handstands a hundred times. Mm. I wanted to paint i was so dizzy and the women behind me are just watching me do this and he pushed me till i got my legs up straight because they would dangle hollywood had the same issue (laughs) her and i would have the same issue with our legs Mm -hmm. and uh i did it and i finally got it right but let me tell you it's a tough sport um i tried to get my daughter into it she didn't want it she was good at it but she had you know nothing to do with it my other daughter the same thing probably because they were raised with me in the entertainment industry and they went through a heck of a lot. And they're like, no, thanks mom. <laughs> but yeah, it's something I, I would love to tell all the little girls out there to finish what you succeed, finish your dream. If you want to get into wrestling, take it all the way, take it all the way and don't give up, but you've yeah. got to go through the proper training. Yeah. You've got to know what you're it, doing it, it is really it, it really is tough and like you said it's a to describe the the business as fake is an awful way to describe it because it doesn't have it's nothing close to that it may be scripted there may be uh you know uh outcomes that are planned but i used to say these guys are like professional stuntmen and uh those guys get hurt all the time and if you continue to do this to your body when you're going outside of a ring onto a cement floor even if there's a one inch pad that's not doing. That's your, your body is still falling eight feet to the ground uh, with a, a very unforgiving floor, and it comes with the territory. 
Now, these guys are professionals, and their mission is to make sure you don't hurt people because you got to keep working. You couldn't possibly go out there and do that otherwise. Absolutely. But uh, as you said, uh, what you know, seeing women taking the beatings that they did with those, I think they they earned a lot of respect, especially for for men that were in the business. Right, uh, right. And I think, and I think if you're in the middle, like because we had flyers and we had lifters and, and throwers, and, mm-hmm. and there was a few of us that did that. So yeah. I was one of those because I was 5'10". So yeah. not only did I have to pick up and throw, you know, pick up, lift, throw, you know, fireman's carries, all those type of things to my opponent, I would also get thrown and dropped all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was one of those girls, unfortunately or fortunately. So, you know, it just depends who you are, the size you are, and the character you are. Because yeah. I noticed WWE, they kind of – keep it the same where with us, we had so many changes on who we were wrestling next. Like I went up against big bad mama. Mm-hmm. She was 480 pounds. Yeah. I lifted her. I still don't know how I did to this day, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I was 140 oh, and 510. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still the same, you know, give or take a few pounds. And of course, you know, 32 years later, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I still try to keep in shape and, and, you know, stay fit and things like that. But the injuries are there. So, you know, I have bad knees and, it, and it, I have a bad neck from that pile driver forevermore. My neck is just always, always gone. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I like to say, you fake it till you make it. You keep going. You, you have to. You never mm-hmm. give into it. Um, would I get back in the ring now? I have and I <laughs> will again. And I love it because it's in my nature now. Yeah. Will I go off the third turnbuckle and do a high flying maneuver? <laughs> no. no, no. I Not like that. my life, Sean. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't well, want to end up in the hospital any more than I have to, especially no. now with the COVID. God yeah, forbid. Well, we don't, we don't no. want that to happen. But Patricia, no. at the time, and I'm sure, like you mentioned, you wanted to make your father proud, and uh, you were, you know, wanted a job and something that was could maybe make some money and uh, this exposure. But uh, was there a point when you started to realize the impact it was having or was that something that came years later? I mean, we at our showings, at our tapings, we noticed all the fans. And I think um, for me, I really I think it was probably the the first our first promo house show at the mm-hmm. showboat in Laughlin, Nevada, where I realized, wow, there's there's people here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's people in the seats. And there was all these children that were jumping up and down like mm. crazy, you know. So you you begin to realize like, oh my God, they really love us. And then you know your character when you come out and they're like, Sunny, I want your frisbee because I would throw out frisbees. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pick a child, which was very hard because they were all jumping, and I just throw my frisbee. I just say, God, I hope they get it. They hope, you know, because the adults would try to grab it. And I'm like, oh, no. So I had to get pretty good with that aim. But you notice the fans' reaction. How amazing and how they're so into it. They're so into the character. They're so into the wrestling. And they wanted more. When we ended the show, they didn't want to leave. Hmm. That's what felt good. We didn't lose yeah. an audience. Yeah. You know, right there says it all, you know. Yeah, well, give, um, us, give, give us an idea. Later, but, the, right. but the impact, back to that, the years later, mm-hmm. I think – being off air in 1991 was the pay-per-view. So now we're going full circle to let's just go back to 2014 when we really came back 
and did the Afterglow party, which is now uh, Afterglow owned by Roxy Astor. Mm-hmm. Good thing for coming from that, which I can't mention, but stay tuned. Um, we noticed, wow, these men are full grown now and women are full grown. They're like, I was in the audience when I was 10 years old. Uh, yeah. You guys changed my life. Oh, yeah. And that's when we knew we're like, whoa, wait a minute. This many years later. And now that was 30 or 32 years now. Yeah. And we're bigger than ever. People yeah. want to know about us because they're watching Glow Netflix and they're like, wow, this is real. There was actual glow girls and that was us. So, yeah, I mean, we can't, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to have that and the blessing and, and I'm very thankful. The only thing I'm sad about, and I was in the afterglow musical and I spoke of it and it's in my comic book um, that I have out by squared circle, by the way, the first pro wrestler female that has this, I'm very honored to have that as well is that my father passed away. And never got to see me wrestle. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So I, I speak about that in a very sad, heartbreaking way. Um, they had to pull me out of the ring, not knowing that it was near the end of Glow and the demise of Glow. But um, Matt Simber got a call from my mom and stating my dad was was worse in the hospital. I knew my dad wasn't feeling well, but. I didn't know he was that bad. And my mom said, you better get here. So Matt takes me out of the ring um, and says, you better go. And sure enough, I got down. There was probably the worst time of my life. Just the travel time seemed forever from Las Vegas to Los Angeles is usually an hour and a half flight. And, you know, taxi. Oh, my God. He was at Long Beach St. Mary's Hospital. And. He went in for his heart. The bag behind his heart collapsed and they were going to try and get a, a donor. And through the time they were looking for a donor, they discovered a little small spot on his lung and they tested it. The surgeon, the specialist or whatever hit that spot, caused it to spread. And so within five days, my father passed away in the hospital. Mm. Yeah. So I was he never, with he never with got to see you wrestle on TV, any of the no. shows? Oh, no. Wow. That's a shame. No. Through the, the, there were live tapings. And at that time, my dad was on the oxygen, mm-hmm. uh, not COPD, but he had a heart attack or something through that time. But yeah. he was OK, you know, but my mom set up this this um, like little area in the house for him to take care of him, you know, to mm-hmm. watch. I guess through that time, he couldn't, uh, you know, he just wasn't wasn't there. Yeah. And I was probably in denial. Honestly, because I remember I was daddy's little girl and I'm like, no, no, my dad's tough because my dad was tough and he was healthy. So he was healthy all his life, though. He smoked camel cigarettes. Mm. He quit probably about, I don't know, three years before he he got ill. But um, it was a shock to me. Yeah, it was a very big shock. I thought my mom would have passed before he would. And, you know. I hate to say that, but I just thought so because she was overweight. She was big. She was a diabetic. I was raised with her being a severe diabetic and taking three insulin shots a day. Mm. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty, pretty traumatic there. And uh, I returned after he passed away. I returned to Vegas with high hopes that Glow was still going. And like, hey, I'm here. Let's do this. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Glow ended. Yeah. 
nobody was around. I'm like, where is everybody? So I called Matt Simber and he had told me uh, his version of what had happened. But since then, we, we kind of all have our story and uh, the reality of what happened. So, um, you know, Glow was going to have a movie. You know, they're going to do the Glow movie. And, and that was the greatest thing. We thought after Glow, yeah. they're going to do this big thing. And, uh, you know, it was all planned. However, there was some issues with the owner, Meshulam, Matt Simber. Uh, we didn't quite know what was going on. But, you know, now, of course, we do. There was some issue with one of the Glow girls had an affair with Meshulam. Mm. And Meshulam was married to Pia Zadora at that time. Uh-huh. Oh, they been, they were married for years. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I guess there was a little threat made here and there. And, you know, Vegas in the 80s, those <laughs> threats were real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know because I went back and the rest is history. And that's why they're doing a book on my my life, because, oh, boy, the, the worst is yet to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Anyway, um, she had an affair, and so to make her go away, because Pia threatened him and said, listen, you're going to lose me, you're going to lose everything, you got to get rid of her. So I guess he, I'm not mentioning names in this, I have mentioned her before, but I'm not now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, yeah, she's the one that actually created the Netflix, by the way. So mm-hmm. she's not liked amongst us glow girls. This one glow girl will never show her face around any of this uh-huh. because she would, she would get a true beating. I guarantee that. <laughs> really? Um, oh yeah. That oh bad. yeah. Cause she didn't include, she took this script. In fact, she stole the script from, from another glow girl. And, uh, that's how this glow Netflix was, was born. That's why it's not accurate. And that's why we aren't in it. That's why none of us glow girls are in it. And that's why the characters can't be in it. Mm-hmm. She did it. Yeah, she didn't even include. She could have said, hey, let's do cameos. Let's get some of the girls in for cameos on this show. After right. all, it is about. Yeah. Nope, right. it didn't happen. She took her three million and ran. Mm. Uh-huh. So mm. she had an affair with Meshulam. Meshulam paid her off, gave her the rights of, I believe it's the merchandising rights and the glow name to go away. Mm. So to this day, that's what she has. That's why there's some like push pull with certain things because I understood that WWE wanted our our tapes, wanted our digitized footage. They wanted to air it, they wanted to buy it, but mm-hmm. there's some issues going on there. Oh yeah. So that was the end of Glow because mm-hmm. now Meshulam wanted to save his marriage, and he's the the money factor in Glow. Matt's like, wait a minute. I don't know, you know, what truly on his end happened, but that was it. They closed it. There was the money disputes and, and that's it. Well, yeah. And, uh, they tried to have other, you know, organizations that they tried to start after that. Why didn't they work? I, I know you worked for a couple after that. Um, why didn't they ever take off again? Because I don't think. I, I don't truly think Glow can be duplicated. We're mm-hmm. one of a kind, and that's where they're running into. Even even David McLean and Wow, because he he has Wow, right, right. And uh, you know that's successful. I I'd like to say, but uh, it's still Glow. 
we we've been there. I watched I'm, I'm there live and, you know, we say hi to him and he's happy we're there. We've attended a few of his shows and I'm like, this is glow. I look at Roxy. She's like, I know this is glow all over again mm. without the what we had back then in the 80s. And, and it'll never was, be. Yeah, what, what's so special about it? I mean, like I said, they soon after they had the battling beauties and I, I got to go on and on with the, the other ones that tried. But what was it? that was The battling beauties. That was that? that was mine. Yeah. Yeah, Battling Beauties with uh, Benny Diamond and uh, Maxwell Carson, which that's not his real name, but that's another story there that uh, goes on. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the time. I think it's it was the 80s. All right. Where to see women back then. Now it's like, okay, it's tried and true. How many are there? There's Shimmer. There's so many now. Yeah, yeah. But none of them are Glow. None of them are are such character driven. I haven't seen any of them, including Wow, so much character. Um, and the skits. I think the entertainment is what made us, honestly. Yeah. In the eighties, the entertainment because you don't see that now. No, and it uh, was it was it was great. It was campy, but it was funny, it, and it was a perfect. Uh, you know, when that show would come on, it was the perfect time of day for that to happen. But for and you mentioned this a little bit before, but give us an idea what that schedule was like. It sounded like it was pretty brutal. And I don't know if you did. Did you do house shows elsewhere that were taped? I mean, what was what was the, the shooting well, schedule? One, did it go on for weeks yeah. and weeks? Can tell us when what that toured, was about. When we toured all that, you know, when we took off and uh, did our tour, that was like six months, I believe. None of those matches were televised. Those were considered our tour matches. And that's the packed houses. That was like 10 to 20,000, 30,000 people. All over the country? Um, No, we were in Georgia. Let's see. We started in Atlanta, Georgia. We flew in and then we took the tour bus. We went through Louisiana. I would say the Mm Mid-South, Mid-South, Midwest. And that was it. And big crowds. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And we were welcomed everywhere. That's when we realized how big we were hmm. is to get off the tour bus and they're outside the tour bus going crazy. Tons and tons and tons of fans. I felt like a rock star, you know, hmm. it was so cool. Oh yeah. And they're shouting your name, you know, Sonny or beast or whatever the, you just are like, Oh my God, it was, it was surreal. Yeah. That's how big of an impact. Hmm. Um, and some States were more welcoming than others. You could tell. Mm-hmm. A Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for instance, loved, loved us. Huntsville, Alabama, loved us. So, I mean, it just it just depends. And I, I suppose it's that way with WWE, too, you know, from what I see as well. It's sort of like that whole scenario played over in this generation and this time. But um, I think uh, their training was rigorous. We had to eat the Riviera. Not that Matt forced us, but... The first, I want to say two months, we lived, eat, and breathed the Riviera Hotel food, the buffet. Uh And I had to eat that every day. I had to eat and eat and eat because he wanted me stronger. And and he would tell some girls not to eat this, some girls that, yeah, they all have their regimen. And you have to obey that because if you don't, you're fired. Because guess what? There was another girl dying to take your place. That was the thing. So you want to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do, because we always knew there's someone else that could replace us. 
That was the scary part because there was always tons of girls that were dying to get on television, much less glow. You know, it was all about that just in those times to get on TV. So Matt would push us. Yes, he did. And I say he did it for the better good. That's one thing I owe so much to Matt Simber to this day because he pushed me to do a push-up. I wasn't aware of my own strength. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I could. You know what I mean? And most of the girls definitely, because I was an athlete. A lot of these girls weren't athletes going in. <laughs> so they came out being one. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. He pushed us for the better good to make us who we, we are and, well, who we were then and who we are today. I owe everything to him on that on that end because now I can leave here done talking to you and go right there and do, you know, 50 push-ups still. That's all mm. I can do. I can never do a hundred again. <laughs> I'm thankful to do 50, but I can, yeah. I have the confidence. I can do it and say, Hey, you know what I mean? I push myself um, to whatever I can do and training girls in wrestling. I was actually blessed to do that and asked to do that, which I trained some wonderful girls. Um, it's so much fun. It is enlightening. It's good for your heart. It's good for your body. Not all the bumps. Over time, those bumps kill, especially women, because the bladder and all those kind of kind of things. And women take a lot of bumps. The men are much bigger. The men nowadays, they don't take many bumps, if you notice. They're not hitting that mat so much as we did back then. We were always boom, 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 boom. It's like, oh, my God. So... Yeah, the difference is now I'm glad they're selling more and they're slowing down the moves because that's what we did. We told the story. We slowed our moves down. Our matches were long. Mm -hmm. They were 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes long at times. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. Nowadays, you see them really, you know, short. They're not very long matches. In-house men, the indie wrestlers. Um, I like some of the indies. I think some of the indies are better than the professional, the the WWE guys, if you will. Not that the indies are not professional. Don't get me wrong. But the difference is I like AEW. I love Japan wrestling more. Mm -hmm. I love Japan wrestling. I think those guys are incredible. So, well, you know, it's hard to believe, though, that that series ran, I guess, for a little more than four years. And then uh, you mentioned afterwards, you know, you, you uh, were involved with Battling Beauties. And did you continue to stay uh, and wrestle uh, for years beyond that? Or was that uh, pretty much it as far as, you know, you doing it as on a regular basis? Yeah, that was pretty much it. After Battling Beauties, yeah. this is it for me, only because I was involved with, uh, you know, uh, the person that actually created that along with Benny Espinosa, who's the one that was a referee in glow. He's the one that Mm -hmm. built my wrestling ring. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a long story with that. He was uh, part of the mob. Oh boy. Anyway, I went on with him and ended up doing the NFL poster. So I became uh, NFL poster girl again for the Rams, Raiders, New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So my world now went back into the modeling world. Modeling. Uh-huh. And from there, it just went into a bunch of tragedy uh, because he came, became very obsessed with me and uh, was a, that's where the whole story is in this uh, book coming out. I have an autobiography on my life um, that's being done by J- Jamie Engel. It was Scott Stevens. 
Uh, I changed it to go with a female perspective. And by the way, they're good, very good friends. So he's very, he's the one that referred me to her to do this. So it wasn't like I just switched because on social media, everyone knows it was Scott Stevens that was doing my book, which he's a brilliant author. And I'm so blessed that I have people that want to do my story. Mm -hmm. um, we're also doing it for Lifetime. It's a three-part series. Wow. So um, without getting too much into it, you know, it's with rape, attempted murder. Um, my daughter was kidnapped. Wow. Um, I went through a whole lot, Sean, way <laughs> after Glow. I can tell you. My whole life was, yeah, yeah. But I'm still here to live and tell it. Mm -hmm. um, before Glow, I had a drowning, and that's in my comic book, so I would suggest buying my bio comic, and you get to read some of my life story there. Um, but I'm here to live and tell that as well. So, you know, Glow was a, I'd like to say was a great part of my life, but I was fortunate to do more. I was in Playboy. Yeah. Um, 10 years later, which had nothing to do with Glow, because people asked me, they're like, was that because of Glow? I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. uh, Glow is long gone. Um, and so with the Kiss band, I call mm -hmm. Uncle Gene my uncle, but he's <laughs> no blood related. We're very close. I love Uncle yeah. Gene and yeah. Paul Stanley and and at that time, Peter Chris and Ace Freely. So I was Ace Freely and Paul Stanley in the magazine. I casted the issue with 360 beauties, playmates. And so I was one of them. Mm. And uh, so that was a blessing because, you know, how many girls want to be in Playboy? No kidding. <laughs> yeah. So that was a big thing 10 years later. Um, after that, you know, or I should say in between. Um, I was married, settled down, and... Um, you know, had a, another child. I had a child in Glow, mm -hmm. and that's Jennifer. She would sit on the sidelines. Um, <laughs> so I think I was the only one other than a couple of the other girls or ladies at that time, which was Zelda. I think she had a child, and then Big Bad Mama may have had mm -hmm. a child. But I had – she was five years old. Mm -hmm. and so she would sit on the side of Nanuchka. <laughs> she didn't like my character. <laughs> Like, well, and it, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, you, you, I, I don't know if you, as you look back, but a, a trailblazer, a, uh, you know, a single mom, uh, you know, working, uh, doing what you did at the time, not maybe realizing the impact you're having on how women would look at you and be inspired. But as you look back now and you see, you know, for example, what the WWE divas, which they're not referred to as anymore, but we saw how that developed and they are, as I said at the top of this discussion is, they are on equal footing with the men now, which you would have never imagined. People, I don't think, ever thought that would happen. And now they've had their own pay-per-view, and uh, they get equal billing. And so when you look back on that, uh, do you take a lot of pride in that, you know, you had a, you were a, a, a part of that? You had a piece of, of, uh, of paving that road for them? Yes, absolutely. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud that they're, they're finally getting the recognition. Um, mm -hmm. Shoot, I was proud when Natalia won. You know, I love Natalia Neidhart. Yeah. I think she's amazing. Um, I'm very proud, and I'm glad that the recognition has happened, and I hope it continues. I hope it doesn't fade and, and return back. Um, mm. I hope Vince McMahon, you know, uh, gets that equal equal share and equal love. Yeah. Because, you know, men and women are both athletes. Um, now, would I tell my daughter to go fight? In the military, yeah, but would I want her on the front line? No, because, of course, I don't want her to die. Mm -hmm. But 
same thing, you know, as, as the way we look at it overall, because women have children, right? Yeah. You know, we go through the worst pain, but we want to have children. So we don't want to damage ourselves to that point. Okay. Yeah. But I think these women um, handle themselves well. They, they're, they're amazing. Like I said, I love Natalia. I'm a, a big fan of Natalia always. Um, of course, I love China. I was sad when she passed. Um, mm. You know, we just lost another WWE Chad, which I just worked with. Um, yeah. I, I was the one that headed up the uh, military rock. Remember wrestling rock with Eric Shaw? Mm-hmm. We just did that last August again, yeah. a, a yeah. renewal. And we brought Crime Time in, and I hosted it and, and uh, brought some of the other workers and stuff, the girls, that is. I brought Glenna Camhos, who's Andrea the Giant, and uh, Kayla, Roxy's daughter. She wrestled, and one of the WOW girls wrestled. So they did a match, and we created that. And I actually got in the ring with Glenna. So it felt good to be in the ring again. Um, I was in the ring a year before in Wisconsin. So with one of the Netflix girls, uh, Awesome Kong, she still wrestles. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a great thing overall. And go women, go empowering, keep empowering. That's my message. You know, never give up on your dreams and stay strong. You know, never let anyone make you feel weak. Don't get bullied. I'm big on, you know, no bullying. Mm-hmm. Can't stand bullies, um, especially in our world, because there's so much of that going on, it seems. And it's it's a tra- it's a travesty to see it still, honestly, and to see people getting bullied to the point that they uh, have suicide in their life. Because I lost my brother uh, in 85 to suicide. So mm. I, I speak about that in my comic book as well. I know it sounds odd to be in a comic book, but. The way uh, John Crowther writes your story and Squared Circle Comics presents it, it's truly amazing how they make it come to life. And the artist, Rich Parada, and a few other artists are in my book. And just, I was like, wow, mm. how do it? They, they did. And it's just incredible. So, you know, you can find me on social media. I sell my comic books. The comic books are also available through Squared Circle Comics. Uh, John Crowther's doing the encyclopedia. I believe volume one with all of our comic books. The last one was Gangrel, um, Bruno Sammartino, you know, all the, the late greats and myself mm-hmm. are in the edition. So check it out, please. And, uh, my playboy I sell with my signatures on each page. You can find me on social media, Patricia Summerland. I'm under my real name. And I believe in talking to my fans under my real name. I do have a fan page, but for somehow I go to my Patricia Summerlin page just because I have friends and family on there. So yeah. I just choose to talk to to people there. And I, you, you can talk to me. I'll answer questions if I can. Um, you know, when it comes to my personal life, I kind of, yeah, I get some weird questions out there. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, when you look at uh, your career and uh, and you mention the women and, and you say, I hope that Vince McMahon, you know, keeps doing what they're doing. But uh, it's gotten to the point now, which is fantastic. It's not about sex. It is about dot, bottom line. Always has been with, with Vince McMahon. If it makes money, it's going to get billing. And that's what they're doing. If, if they're making them money. And that's that's the way that equality has happened. And uh, but really, you were a part of helping get them there 
And I know that you've been active with the Cauliflower Alley Club, which if folks you know about professional wrestling, that is kind of the uh, the ultimate, the epitome of where uh, the real business, the people that were involved in it come together. And uh, do you feel that uh, that women now do get that respect? And I'll, I'll say specifically the women of GLOW uh, get that respect from the business and from the, the, you know, the people that were a big part of this business and, and shaping what it is today. Absolutely. And I have great respects for the Cauliflower Alley Club. I'm a, I'm a lifetime member myself, and yeah. I've been going the last 10 years or 11 years now. This will be 11. And we were honored at the Cauliflower Alley amongst our peers. And uh, I pushed, by the way. I didn't give up. And I was in Brian and Carl's ear, Carl R. and Brian Blair, president, yep. uh, wow. for the longest time to get us honored with the help of other great wrestlers wanting us to be honored. So in 2017, we broke the glass ceiling as being the first group of women to get the wrestling honor. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. So if that tells you, yes, they, they have recognized, they are amazing and we're always welcomed. I love Brian Blair, what he's done. He's done major things and uh, very proud. Of course, I love Carl Lawler. He's my buddy. I love just mm-hmm. talking to him. I'll call him on the phone and we'll chat for hours. I have such great respects. Um, like I said, I love the old school mentality. I love the old school ways and the old school wrestling. Um, I do love the new wrestling, but I people asked me this. They said, well, do you watch it? And I said, well, I did a show called After Buzz TV with Rick Drayson. I was the host. And I had to, or co-host rather with him, I had to watch SmackDown every Friday, mm. critique it for the show. <laughs> so after that, I think we did that for about mm, a year. I couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't do it, Sean. I'm like, yeah, not, I can't watch it. Can't mm. do it. So, you know, I do have my own show now. I have American adversaries talk radio. I'm a talk host on, on American adversaries. Every you can hear me. I am like the Megan Kelly. I go for the jugular. Mm. Um, I love this business of media. That's my new thing. And I do have my talk show called The Brighter Side with Sunny Show at CRN Digital Talk Network with Mike Horn. Um, great guys in there. Uh, we lost Robert Conrad. He actually had his own show in there as well. Um, mm, yeah. But Brett Farber, we have Larry Elder. We have all of them in there as well. Right. So I'm pretty blessed to have that and have great guests on my show. Uh, and that is live, so they can come in studio. The studio um, is beautiful in Chatsworth, so they can come in there. And, uh, you know, if you want to sponsor my show, feel free. Reach out to me. I'll get you on. You get all the airtime. You know how it works, Sean, right? Yeah, <laughs> You I get do. all the airtime you want, <laughs> commercials. You know, yep. you, got, you want to get out there, you know, got a new laundry detergent, whatever the case is, just uh, reach out to me. I would love to have you on. All right, I'm going to tune in for that. I'm going to have to catch those shows. Um, when will, when can we expect to see uh, the Lifetime and also the the book? The, is that going to be out within the next year, or, or what could people watch for? Well, we're pushing for it right now. I'm in the works today. In fact, mm-hmm. I've just got all the paperwork, so we're trying to um, go with a bigger publishing company and mm-hmm. agent along with that, because as you know, it comes better things. Yep. And I want this book to get its just cause. I want it to be 
a learning factor for people out there when they read it. Um, and I'm sure everyone can identify in one way, shape or form because there's so many different issues in it. Mm -hmm. There'll be, uh, that's just my life. I don't want pity. I don't want someone to say, oh, God, I feel sorry for you because there is a victim and then there's a survivor. Right. And I always say I'm a survivor. I don't want to say victim. I already went through that victim thing with what I went through uh, with Las Vegas FBI and all that. And they would always say, well, since you're a victim and I hated that, I'm mm. like, call me a victim. I'm here. I'm yeah. breathing. I survived. Please yeah. call me that. So, you know, I want people to read this and identify because I know it's happened. Uh, whatever I've went through, someone has had in their life in one capacity or another. So, I hope they read it and they enjoy it. Um, yeah. And take the tools with them, you know, and say, well, I'm not going to do that. Like women in modeling, my mistakes, because I was naive um, where I got myself in situations where I couldn't get out of, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And there's I know it's happening now, especially with the Me Too movement, you know, yeah. so we definitely want to uh, get that out out there as soon as possible so hopefully i can't give you a date but let's say next year for sure i'm looking 2022 probably depending upon how fast they move with the series i can't say that as yet because that's just the way hollywood is but um look look for it and stay tuned the next definitely two years for everything to be done but the book is in the making awesome well uh patricia summerland uh You've got a lot going on and have uh, ever since. And, folks, uh, really an inspiring story that I don't think you want to miss once that book is out. But, Patricia, I want to thank you so much for coming on Primetime. Absolutely. I've had a blast. I, I love it. And, and any time, this is this is a, a great thing to, and to be talking to you, the wonderful Sean Mooney. Well, Patricia, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be we'll have you back when that book's out. Thank you. I, it would be my pleasure. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Patricia Summerlin had a uh, lot to say, a lot to tell us. Uh, that story, uh, that she, tr that journey she had is just amazing. Uh, as uh, Sunny, the California girl, uh, one of the original cast members from the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and really one of the trailblazers for women in professional wrestling. It was not easy for women back then. And the women of GLOW were really the first divas and uh, the women who are now enjoying the great success and equality they are now uh, that they're experiencing today. And, and no doubt, don't get me wrong, they have certainly worked uh, very hard to get where they are today. But they also should think of the women of GLOW for helping to pave the way for them. And thank you, Patricia Summerlin, for coming on to Primetime. Uh, she's got a lot going on. She's got a comic book out, as she mentioned, and she's also doing a couple of radio shows. She's working on a book. So we've got some links uh, along with this podcast that you can uh, connect with her and, uh, you know, find out what she's doing and make sure you don't miss any of the projects that she's working on. She is as busy as ever. And I want to thank Patricia Summerlin for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, once again, I want to remind everybody, as I, I mentioned uh, before we got into that conversation with Patricia, um, I have been reluctant to make the move with our Patreon members, but I just feel that uh, with uh, so few at this point, and uh, Casey and Evan work so hard on this show, that I just don't feel it's really worth it for them to uh, put on all that effort every week. So as of June 1st, uh, everybody, if you're a Patreon member, as of June 1st, we are ending our Patreon memberships. 
And I wanted to let all of our remaining members uh, know, I uh, wanted them to know, and then also be sure to cancel your membership now, uh, as soon as you're done listening here, so that you're not charged for another month. So please cancel immediately. If you have any issues, please let me know. And you can do that by emailing me at primetimemooney at gmail.com. Primetimemooney at gmail.com. All right. Uh, thanks again, really, for tuning in. I can't tell you how grateful I am. It, it, uh, it humbles me when I see the numbers of downloads that we get every week, people listening to this podcast. And uh, really, I really want to thank you for continuing to take the ride with me on this. Uh, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. 